Are you concerned about the impact that this current pandemic may affect your life, both now and in the future? Would you like to break through the blocks that may be holding you back to accomplish your goals? And that's not just during this time, but your life in general. With me today, I have a guest who is going to help us to learn how to live a fuller, richer, and healthier life. Her name is Teresa Bruni, and she is going to give us the tools we will need to meet the demands that not only in life in general, but also during this time of a global crisis. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome back, Teresa. I cannot believe that I interviewed you in 2015. I was so happy to get an email from you and telling me that what has happened in your life and about your new book and all the exciting things that you're going to share in the interview today. So thank you so much for coming back on Never Ever Give Up Hope. I am so happy to be here with you again, Carol. I've missed you. Aww. <laughs> well, you live on the other side of the world, you know. <laughs> the other seems side that, of the country, anyway. It, it seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> now, when we talked the first time, all those five years ago, you shared your dilemma that you had just basically come out the other side of, which was trying to get answers from the medical profession regarding your health, which was declining at a rapid pace. What I'm going to do for our listeners is on the show notes, that interview will also be included. So people that want to read that incredible story, they'll be able to do that right from this same place. Teresa Bruni is an author, a coach, practitioner, and founder of Less Fear, more flow llc and the 2020 resilience journal project which is basically what we're going to talk about today but before we talk about this new venture would you briefly share for the listeners what did happen over 20 years ago when you recovered from 10 years of a chronic health condition and then also share about seven years into the depths of that illness medical science still had no answers. So just bring us up to date about that. Yeah, let me give you a a quick synopsis. Uh, So 
I, uh, first of all, I struggled to get a diagnosis because I was so physically strong at the time and I had no history of, of chronic illness. Finally, uh, it took literally two years to get a diagnosis, which for a lot of people is a, is a huge relief just to have that validation because you know something's wrong. You personally know something is wrong, even though all of the tests continue to say, oh, there's nothing wrong. Uh, so then um, I ended up on full disability and I sought uh, I sought out the best medical professionals I could find, which I recommend everyone do. And despite that, seven years later, I was still sick. And so at that point, I got angry and, you know, and I took action and that's what angry people, that's what angry people do, right? They, they take action. And I just, I put my foot down and I decided that I was going to have to take things by control and find my own way back to full health. That took three years. This is my 20th anniversary of being well. So we're talking before we had internet. So I did a lot of research. In usually in the bookstores or in the libraries because I couldn't Google. <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't have Google available to me. Right. Uh, but but I did. I found my way back and and I enjoy good health and I look. Um, you know, I look good for my age. I I've learned how to turn reverse the 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 signs of aging. And now I teach other people how to do that. That's my mission. So what started as uh, a really unfortunate, difficult, challenging period in my life turned out to to be my life's mission. So that's what I do now. I help people to cope when life gets hard. I think you just triggered a response in the audience when you said reverse the signs of aging. You're going to have to expound a little bit on that before we get into the rest of the interview. I would love to. I would love to. Uh, so I do, um, I do a lot of work with our local nurse leaders. I do workshops and we talk about uh, energy a conscious energy we're talking about. This is, you know, this isn't just like um, uh, woo-woo energy out there. We're talking about conscious energy, which has to do with the way you think and respond to the world. And it's about keeping the um, fight or flight response turned off, which we'll talk more about today, and turning on the healing response. And I so I tell the nurses, you know, when you master this technique, you can actually reverse the signs of aging. And that gets their attention every time because we all want to do that, right? So what steps did you take at that point to there, there was a pivotal moment? when you said, okay, enough, and you're going to turn your own health situation around. What steps did you take to change your lifestyle? Well, I had already done several things. I had given up alcohol. I had given up sugar. Um, I had gone on a very pure, clean, organic diet that included uh, strictly vegetables and organic meats. I had made a lot of changes, yet still, you know, I was sick. Uh, so, so what I learned during that period is um, recovering from a chronic health condition requires a very well-rounded approach. And so I already had a few things covered. I had cleaned up my diet. 
and uh, I started to to look inside. And what I found out was all the answers I really needed were inside of me. I did. Um, I, I cleaned up my environment. Now let's we'll talk about that for a minute because if you mm-hmm. want if you want to clean up your environment, we're talking about several areas of life. So we have our physical environment. And so I know for me, clutter stresses me out. Clutter just drains my energy. <laughs> so so cleaning up your house, cleaning up your environment. And when you're home on disability, it's really easy to get lazy and just because you don't feel well, right? Um, but it also includes cleaning up your relationships. That's another environment. Right. Cl- cleaning up your emotions. And that was really key for me. Once I started to to deal with emotions that I had shoved deep down, and once I had allowed them to surface so that I could deal with them effectively and manage them, amazingly, my health started to improve. So getting back to what I said a, a moment ago, if, if a person is trying to regain their health, it requires a well-rounded approach, and that includes nutrition, exercise, your, your, uh, the way you think, um, journaling, which is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, there's just so many components that are required in order to regain your health. Any tips along the line of what you were just speaking about cleaning up those three things, environment, emotions, and relationships? When you say cleaning up, that that really is quite a broad subject. Can you maybe expound a little bit on each of those? Yes, we have to be brutally honest with ourselves and recognize what's working and what is not working. And many times, and I just had this conversation with someone yesterday, many, many times we allow relationships to get out of control because it's just easier to go along right Uh, it's (laughs) does that does that include relationships with animals because i've had dogs (laughs) that that just really messed up my lifestyle you know (laughs) well well yeah i mean yes if you and and that's usually a really tough decision you you hit on something big there because people feel um an obligation to their pets where that's that's sometimes it's the last thing to go you know but yeah if you're if you have a pet that's destroying your household you might want to make some changes there <laughs> I, I couldn't resist that sorry so when it comes to your emotions this is another area where you need to be brutally honest and pay attention to what makes you happy and what doesn't make you happy And when you can identify those areas that don't make you happy, now you have the ability to start to facilitate change. And again, these changes are not always easy. So it's really important to be kind and gentle with yourself and do the best that you can. I work with clients who have uh, chronic health conditions. I'm working with a client now who has been chronically ill for 30 years. We've been working together for about six months, and and he is seeing miraculous changes. But we are not patient as a species. I learned that after I learned that after nine years of on disability. You know, we are not patient people. So. 
I, I continually remind my clients, look how far you've come, reward yourself for the progress that you're making. That's so important. And continue to move forward. Uh, and that's the best we can do. As long as we are, are t- even, if, even if you take a few steps backward, that's okay. If you take two steps forward and one step back, you're still moving forward. So it's all good. So what motivated you? to write this book? There are two facets that we're going to talk about. Uh, The first is the 2020 Resilience Journal Project. And the book, the Resilience Journal, is part of that project. Okay. So when the coronavirus hit the United States, and we all saw it coming, we saw Italy and some of the other countries and what they were going through, I realized that there was a need for resilience. And what we're talking about here is emotional resilience. There are all different types of resilience. So many people might have some good financial resilience. So they're in a good spot right now. um, If they get laid off from their job, we also have relationship resilience, those things might be strong. So there are different types of resilience. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, I'm talking about emotional resilience. I see on social media the the emotions. People are just afraid, and yes. it's so difficult for us to get the truth. There's so many conflicting reports. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, stay home, go out. Uh, and so we need something right now to help us to stay grounded and to build resilience. The Resilience Journal is a book that you can get on Amazon and at other retailers, and it comes in three versions, hard copy, paperback, and Kindle. It provides you tracking for nine key areas in your life that help to build resilience. So we want to make sure you're eating right. We want to make sure you're exercising. We want to make sure you have community, people that you can count on, especially if you're quarantined. I tell you, I have self-quarantined and it has not been easy. And and I'm a bit of a recluse anyway. And I, so I can tell you, this has not been easy. Um, so, <laughs> so there are nine key areas where you chart, you can chart every day. And I use this kind of charting for my clients who have chronic health conditions, because it really helps if you can see it on paper, it helps you to see where you're going off track. And then there's an area underneath that chart where you can you can comment on you know how you did um, maybe you didn't eat so well that day and maybe you had a reason why um, maybe you had a great day as far as community and getting in touch with people uh, expressing gratitude spirituality things like that and then the next page is to journal your thoughts and feelings. And also journal current events. So my hope is that these journals might get passed down to future generations because what we're going through right now is is monumental. I mean, this is just as big as the Great Depression. Um, and these stories are going to be told forever because our life after Corona is never going to be the same. I agree. Okay, so the the 
2020 Resilience Journal Project. Anybody can join that. That's a Facebook group. And I invite people to join that and um, for camaraderie, to share stories, uh, for support, because we're all going through so much right now. I have a question. If you could please define resilience. Okay, that's an excellent question. So what is resilience? Resilience is the ability to bounce back. My interview with you five years ago, the title was No One Ever Said Life Is Easy. <laughs> and and life is not easy. We all have our own unique challenges. My story is different than your story, but both are significant especially to us, right? Resilience is about finding the strength to get back up again and continue to try. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really about the courage, having courage. My next question is about journaling and and this might be coming from a strange place, but I have heard people say this and that is that they stopped journaling because they felt so guilty. Do you cope have a, a coping mechanism for people to get through that or is that not an issue in general? Well, that can be a real issue. I would recommend continuing to journal. I remember as a child, you know, a teenager, and I bet you remember this too, we had those little journals with the lock on them, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what a journal is supposed to be. Our diaries, they're supposed to have a little lock on them. We put them, it's not for anyone else's eyes unless we choose to pass that down to someone, okay? So if 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 guilt is coming up, that's giving you a huge indication of what you need to deal with, something that's coming up, you know, right. and, and that's exactly what journaling is about. It helps it helps us to allow these emotions to surface. So for example, two Sundays ago, I was using my journal as sitting outside, beautiful morning, writing in my journal, and I was writing about how I had this overwhelming feeling of sadness. Bam, it just surfaced. It just all came to the surface. I had to stop writing. I only wrote a half a page that day because I needed to go and deal with this sadness that I was feeling. The key here is I allowed it to surface and I dealt with it. And so now I can move on. I can step into my resilience and I can move on and be a better person because I recognized and dealt with that emotion. Do you recommend that when people journal that they journal same time every day and should it be every day? I think everyone should pick a time that works for them. I choose to journal in the morning and I'm writing about the previous day. Uh, Some people uh, prefer to journal at night. That can be a great way to get all of your emotions out and allow you to have a good night's sleep. Uh, Sometimes, you know, I have skipped a day here or there. I try not to because that tracking that I talked about before, the nine key areas that we want to track in order to maintain resilience, that's really important. So you want to try to do that every day. Um, So I don't recommend skipping more than a day a week. But really, the time is up to you. 
you know, your audience is, is very diverse. So someone who has to get up and take care of children uh, may not have time in the morning to journal. Maybe they'll journal while the kids are napping. And, and especially now with so many people at home, it might be a little bit more challenging to find that private time to journal. But you can do it. So tell us a little more specifics about your book. It's laid out just like a journal would be. And because of that, I didn't even put my name on the front because this is your journal and I just didn't feel that my, na- my name should be on the cover. Right. Uh, so uh, th- my name is not on the cover. And when you open it there, it, there are just two pages of information, some instruction to tell you how to use the journal. And then you've got 90 days worth of pages oh, to, really? document, to document and journal. And then... Let's say uh, you want to write a little bit more. Let's say one day you need more space. There are 20 extra blank pages in the back that you can use to continue. And that's it. It's just a journal. It's strictly a journal. It was published on April 4th. I was inspired to get this out as quickly as possible. So it was published on April 4th of this year. Excellent, because you've already had tremendous reviews. Yes, it's, it's, um, we actually hit international uh, bestseller in two categories on Amazon. And because um, it's really important, you know, sometimes we think our world does not extend past our borders, but it does. This pandemic is worldwide and it's affecting people right. in every country. And how is this different than other journals? The Resilience Journal is different in that it gives you uh, that space to, to document, to rate those nine key areas that you need to pay attention to in mm-hmm. order to main, in order to maintain, again, we're talking about emotional resilience here. So um, that's what makes it different. Most journals just have blank pages. So this one has a, just a little bit more. It, it, it ensures that you're making, uh, that you're paying attention to the areas of your life that need attention in order for you to stay healthy. So um, that was another factor uh, that that in- inspired me to create this book. We talked a bit before about turning off fight or flight and turning on the healing mm-hmm. response, you know, which, which in turn um, can reverse the aging process. We talked about that briefly. So let me just go a little bit further into that. In order for us to have resilience during this difficult period of time, uh, and we need to monitor those nine key areas in our lives, and then that will help to turn on the healing response. With all the fear and all the, uh, there's rage, you know, people are fighting. Yes, yes. I mean, those emotions of fear, rage, anger, all of that, those emotions are, um, they turn on fight or flight, and they weaken your immune system. So if you want to be, if you want to stay well, it's absolutely essential that you monitor these areas of your life. Would you be able to share those nine key areas with us, please? Yes, absolutely. And I recommend even if you don't have a copy of the journal, you can start 
using using this today. All right, so you want to use a scale of one to 10, one being you didn't do well at all, and 10 being you, you did your very best. So those nine key areas first are health. So how was your health? Okay, did you feel really good? Or were you feeling a bit off health-wise? The second area is exercise. Did you get some exercise in? And even if you're homebound, you can still get some exercise in. I even tell my my clients who are uh, chronically ill and disabled, you know, I I worked with a client who um, is quadriplegic and he got exercise every day because his physical therapists would come in and make sure he got exercise. So there's no excuse for anyone to not get some exercise every day. Um, nutrition is the next area. You know, uh, how, how did you eat? Did you eat healthy or did you eat a lot of junk food? Did you stay on schedule with your meals or were you haphazard? The next area is fun and enjoyment. This is really important. Make sure you have some fun. Uh, play some games with your kids or watch some funny videos. Uh, that really helps to raise your your uh, emotional level and it'll help to turn off that fight or flight. Community. How much interaction did you have with other people? And this is really important right now. People are really starved for this. Gratitude. Did you express gratitude for what you have? Some of us are really lucky right now. Spirituality. Did you pray? Did you meditate? Whatever that means, whatever spirituality means to you. Did you go to church? Contribution. Did you give back? There are so many people out there in need. I highly recommend, if you can, if you know someone who is self-quarantined, maybe, you know, a senior, uh, reach out to them. Let them know that you care. I've been making some donations, so that's contribution. So I try to make some sort of contribution every single day. The reason that that is so important is because it takes the focus off of you and puts it on someone else. And then the last one is rest and sleep. Sleep is absolutely essential to good health. Now, I understand because I've, I've lived through this, sometimes it's really hard to get a good night's sleep, but you can still rest. You can still rest. So it's not just sleep, it's rest and sleep. If you're, if you're rating yourself very low on the rest and sleep area, then that is something that you need to pay attention to because it's absolutely essential for good health. What I am hearing as you are going through these, and by the way, it's excellent. I really, really appreciated that. I think that everyone, it's not just limit, it's not limited to a certain type of individual. Everyone can relate to this. What I realized as you were going through this is two things. Number one, I believe that this would really bring self-awareness and accountability. Is that correct? Absolutely. Could you expound a little bit on that? We're talking about being kind to yourself and realizing that we're all human. You know, um, what I see on a regular basis with my clients we are always hardest on ourselves. Keeping this chart and looking at it, and, and maybe you didn't do so well with food. Maybe it was a very stressful day and mm, you ate too many cookies or whatever. 
it's okay. You're doing accountability right here. So it's helping you to recognize, all right, I didn't do so well today. I'm going to make a commitment to do better tomorrow. Guilt does nothing for you. So (laughs) guilt is one of those low-lying emotions that just, you know, it undermines everything because then you feel guilty and then guess what you do? You go and you eat more, you eat more cookies. (laughs) Exactly. It is about accountability, but it's about gentle accountability. Let me see how I did and let me try to do a little bit better tomorrow. Do you recommend when people are journaling that they reread what they have written? And if so, how often? Only if they want to. You know, I don't re- I don't usually uh, reread what I've written. Now, I will t- I will share something with you. Uh, I was doing some spring cleaning uh, last year and I found nine journals that I kept while I was chronically ill. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And yeah. they were probably pretty revealing. <laughs> Absolutely. That is the perfect word. They were pretty revealing. And, you know, I, I also want to bring up Anne Frank and the story of That's Anne right. Frank. That's right. And, yeah. I mean, she was given a journal on her 13th birthday. For those that don't know, she and her family were hiding from the Nazis and she was given a journal um, and her journals ended up becoming a best-selling book and movie. Um, sadly for Anne, um, she, you know, she did end up in a concentration camp and she and her sister and her parents lost their lives. Uh, however, Anne Frank is the ultimate example of resilience. And I quote her a lot, um, on my Facebook page. Uh, she, you know, resilience is about attitude. She's just the perfect example of resilience. In summary, is there anything else that you would like to say? I mean, you really summed it up very well just in that last statement, but anything else that you would like to encourage, motivate, challenge our audience? I want to encourage everyone to, whether they buy this journal journal or not, if, if you want to have the actual journal, that would be wonderful. You can start journaling today without it. And I highly encourage you do that. Join the, resi- the the Resilience Journal Facebook page. and We will get through this. We are resilient. We are resilient. Some days are hard. Most of us live life the way that we've been taught to live it. And so there's some things that we need to unlearn (laughs) and some things that we need to relearn. But you and I are perfect examples of this because we've overcome some major challenges over the course of our life. And um, so we can all do it. We can all do it. And I have faith in every single person out there with the right guidance. You're going to come out of this so much stronger. You were sharing that but is a good example of resilience, at least I think so, is watching children. Because even during this time of extreme trauma, and some children have lived in trauma their entire lives, they are resilient. They will bounce back. And they choose to. And I think that is very important. You mentioned earlier in the interview about the fear, the negative attitudes, all those things which in many people are beginning to control them. 
But resilience and bouncing back is you don't allow that to control you. But you look ahead, you look to the future, you look to a better time. And it's not necessarily bouncing back, it's bouncing forward. And I think that's what kids do. So I just thought about that as, as, you, were, as you were talking and summing it up there. It, look at the di- diary of Anne Frank. She was a young, she was a teenager, wasn't she, when this happened? Yeah, she was 13 when right, she was in right, her first, first right. journal. She became a very strong voice, even well past, decades past her death. And let's look to the kids. And I think they need just a, a real support now, too. And maybe, what, what, what do you think? Encouraging them to keep a diary during this time and what they're going through? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the key differences between adults and children is the uh, the younger children are not focused on the news. And so that's another right, suggestion. Right. That's, that's another suggestion I have for people. Shut that news off. Find valid sources that you can trust. And um, I, I try to get my news about every third day. I look for updates on where we are with the virus, but I do not saturate myself with this. You cannot Uh, or it's going to pull you right down. So a child instead will go play a video game or talk with a friend or go for a walk. I see the kids in my neighborhood riding their bikes and, and the adults are what? They're in the house focused on the news or on social media and it's all very negative in that world. So I think that's what helps children stay resilient. What a valid point. Thank you so much for that. And thank you again, Teresa. Oh my goodness, this has been so uplifting, so inspiring, and definitely motivating. And that part, I think we all need that kind of motivation, that that little push. And the journaling aspect of what you're saying could really help a lot of people get through this desperate time and so you are absolutely right this is so timely that you are on the show today and I thank you for everything that you have contributed thank you so much for helping me get the word out Carol I really want to see people prosper through this I truly believe we're headed for a better world so just be strong create some resilience be strong we're gonna get through this thank you Teresa What great words of encouragement. And thank you, listeners, for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.